Hello there. Look at this. Two podcasts in a day. Lucky, aren't you? Aren't you lucky? This is going to be a much quicker one. Um, if you are looking at our feed and you're like, oh, look, they've done Adam Woodyat, Ian Bill over on True Crap Pop. Yes, you have. We've just finished recording that and editing it and it's just gone up. So probably listen to that more than this. Unless you're really interested on particularly uh, what happened at the Reading Festival on the Sunday. Oh, but hello, hello, by the way. It's uh, it's me, Stephen Hill, doing another one of these monologues here just to let you know what happened on the final day of the Reading Festival, you can listen to my review of the Friday and Saturday if you go back on wherever you found this podcast. Um, I'm going to say, first and foremost, I got to Reading quite late on the Sunday and I left quite early, which I'll talk about in a little bit. I got there late because, well, I was recording a fucking review for you, wasn't I, you ungrateful prick? If you're thinking I'm going to turn up early and watch bloody hot milk in the Amazons just to to please you no absolutely not i wanted to have a little line not really that fussed with a lot of the stuff that happened um during the start of the day so i decided to give myself a well-earned lie-in which is what i did um so i didn't actually get on site at the festival until don broco came on on the main stage west uh, on the Sunday, that was the first thing that I saw. I've actually incredibly never seen Don Rocco before. Never seen them. Never seen them live. And um, for those of you who have been listening to my uh, podcasts and opinions over the years, you will probably know that I really, really like Don Broco. They are probably, I would say, I was having this conversation with a mate of mine while I was there, and I was saying that Don Broco are probably the only band, save for Bring Me The Horizon, who maybe don't quite fit into that, uh, school of bands quite as much as Broco do but they're kind of the only one of those school of bands who came out in that sort of 2010s from the UK scene that kind of I don't know they used to call them like top man rock that um, you know you're, you're lower than Atlantis you're uh, fucking hell I can't remember any of them now Mallory Knox Mallory Knox lower than Atlantis Death Havana. I think Death Havana is still doing all right for themselves. I suppose Yumi at six. I suppose, you know, they're the only one. I was going to say they're the only ones who have really still sort of stayed the test of time. Yumi at six obviously have still stayed the test of time. You know, you could argue as well that, I think you could argue quite easily actually, <laughs> that uh, that um, bands like Twin Atlantic and, um, who did I just say, Death Havana probably have as well. Maybe not quite to the extent um, that people would have expected them to when they were being very, very hyped up and talked about back in the day. But regardless, uh, I think, yeah, they are one of the few bands to kind of thrive from that era. Them and Bring Me feel like the, the big ones. And I guess Yumi at Six, although I'm not really sure Yumi at Six are sort of considered like their, their best days are ahead of them, really. You know, whereas I feel like Broco keep getting bigger. They've just done a, an arena tour with Papa Roach supporting them, which is pretty fucking massive. Last album went to number one. Um, they got a good crowd here as well. They got a pretty good crowd. I say that I did go in the front section of the crowd, so it's not really again like I said yesterday. When you go like, oh, they got a really good crowd, and you're stood right at the front, you don't really know. You don't really know. You have to stand at the back really to know kind of how big a crowd actually is. But it felt like an enthusiastic and happy uh, group of people who were down the front, and the people sort of just behind me. It looked like there were quite a few people there, so you know. They were really good. They were really, really good. They did play the old Chuck Ademson players. Come on, do a late. Come on, do a late. They did that. I was happy to see that. Um, the lead singer, Rob, I believe his name is. Rob uh, was wearing some pretty cool shades. And he was wearing a shirt which had Rocky, um, Sylvester Stallone Rocky, from the front cover of Rocky 4. Uh, or Rocky 3, actually. Excuse me. I'm sorry. That is a terrible um, mistake on my part. It was Rocky 3, not Rocky 4. Uh, yeah, it's got the Rocky Three, Rocky on his shirt. That, that was that was the, that was the whole shirt front and back. Rocky Three, video cover, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, he basically and he's because he's got he's grown his hair out. It's quite curly. He looked like the Ultimate Warrior. It looked like the Ultimate Warrior had formed an emo band, um, which I was more than happy to watch. Uh, they're quite Larry Don Broco. They're a lot kind of larrier and funnier than I think any of those bands that came out of that around that period. And thusly, I can see why they might cross over to, you know, younger fans of not rock music. You know, because they were almost, and I'm, I, I mean this with love, they're almost quite sort of cartoonish, which you know is is good. I thought they were. I thought they were really really fun. They're really fun. Uh, they played T-shirt uh, song at the end, 
and uh, they did the Newport helicopter. Get your own stuff, lads. They did, they did a jump the fuck up, uh, which they nicked off Slipknot. They did uh, Wall of Death, which they nicked off Sick of It All. And they did the Spin Your T-Shirt Rainhead, which they nicked off Skin Dread. So, you know, I think at this point, probably, this goes through all bands, not just Don Broco, because all bands do the fucking jump the fuck up. And they'll do, like, maybe get a new thing. Do you know what I mean? I think maybe get a new thing. We've had uh, 12 years now of the Newport helicopter, essentially. And that was the last, what felt like the sort of last new thing that you got bands to do. I suppose, A, do the walking age uh, centric mosh pit for people in their 40s, which, good times. Um, but yeah, I don't think that you can just sort of trade off of other people's things. It's getting a bit, it's getting a bit old now, as far as I'm concerned. But then I am getting a bit old. So maybe that's, maybe that's part of the problem that I'm going to, oh, I've seen this before and maybe younger people haven't. But I was a bit like, come on, do some new things. But yeah, they were really good. I thought Don Broco were very, very good. And um, yeah, they feel like something, I think they're sort of fun enough and quirky enough and odd enough um and just a bit different that they don't feel like you know that whole thing oh, white guys with guitars that people always sort of go you sort of beat bands up about I, I you know i don't think that's um i think there's a lot more to broco than just that so i feel like they yeah i feel like they would have won a fair few people over there they were one of the few bands like looking at it across those two main stages you really only got a guess like wet leg foals yumi at six frank turner uh, nothing but thieves and them I suppose hot milk as well and the snuts yeah I suppose actually there's a fair few I was gonna say there's not a lot that was just sort of pure guitar music but it actually was there was a fair bit there was a fair bit but um they came out of it with more credit than most I would say I then went across to the main stage east straight away to watch a brilliant brilliant set by Rina Sawayama who as you probably are well aware who I love. I love Rina Sawayama. I think she's excellent. Both of her albums are fucking brilliant. She's great live. I um, mean, I saw her without John. She just sort of played a few of the sort of more poppy, slower ones. She did the corn, uh, blind and limp biscuit break stuff, bookending, um, shut the fuck up, which I thought was really good. It's good to see that. I like that a lot. Um, costume changes. You know, she started in a sort of wedding dress and then she changed into. Um, a kind of baggy white shirt and mum jeans looking like Goldie Horn in the film House Sitter, which is quite niche, particularly for if you're listening and you're part of the Redden audience, you probably don't know what that is. It's uh, early 90s Steve Martin, Goldie Horn. Um, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, and yeah, she sort of changed to, to, to that. And then in the end, um, and then she put a sort of suit and tie thing on um, and her and her danced this bit where they were like they were sitting on the tube and they were commuting and they were reading the newspaper and obviously had the like Madonna uh, mic sort of behind the ear and you know, like in front of your face or the radio mic whatever they fucking call those things now um, but the, you know it was good and then she changed into like oh, red lingerie and a whip like a sort of um, BDSM sexy person and uh, she's a very sexy person uh, I'll try and suppress my carnal urges when trying to be a professional music journalist but she looked good she looked really good and uh yeah it was great i thought you know it was it was it was it was really really great and i thought one of the best things she did is at the end that she had like a cast list got behind her very dramatic very kind of um over the top and her music is great i think you know rena is brilliant and she's she's taking that sort of hyper pop alt pop thing and made it seem stadium-sized and massive. And you kind of want her to be this huge, huge pop star. And I thought, oh, Redding, she'll kill it. And weirdly, my biggest complaint about the set was that it was the crowd was fucking tiny. Absolutely fucking tiny. I mean, as I was getting there, there was a guy called um, Bakar on before her. And I was getting there just as he was finishing and going up to Broco. And the crowd for that guy was fucking massive like legit absolutely fucking gargantuan and i was like oh what's this this is uh this is big I, like i don't know who that guy is 
no shade in him whatsoever, but I suppose it goes to show how little... Um, I always thought, you know, like, oh, it's not my demographic. I got to a point where I was like, it's not my demographic, but I sort of feel like I understand the demographic. Like last year, I was like, I oh, now I feel like I understand the demographic of what a Reading punter is and what they want. And I thought Rena would be a fucking slam dunk, and it wasn't. And um, so that was weird. It was quite weird to see, and it made me go, okay, I'm a little bit discombobulated as to what I think I'm meant to be watching. Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh, that, that is really odd. Um, but again, like, fine, I guess. Just just fine. They all kind of went across to see Little TJ. I didn't really watch Little TJ because I went and got some food instead. Uh, but again, seemed like he had a really, really big crowd. Um, and I came back for Declan McKenna um, straight after Billy, uh, straight after Billy Eilish, straight after Rena on the main stage East. Declan McKenna, someone who I'm not really that familiar with. I saw a little bit of him at Glastonbury last year, I believe. I watched a bit on telly because I think he's got quite a lot of hype about him. But I thought to myself, oh, he's going to be. I did that thing that I did with Sam Fender and uh, that thing I did with Ben Howard, where I was like, oh, two boy is a white kid with a guitar. Two, I'm going to be really boring. He was fucking great. I thought he was really good. He reminds me of a sort of modern day version of Beck. Uh, he was very quirky, very odd, um, very colourful stage set. He had some weird little interlude bits in his set. Uh, like there was a part where he didn't actually talk to the crowd. He had a pre-recorded voicemail or voice note from somebody who was saying, oh, hey, everyone, um, Declan's going to do a new song and this is what he wants you to do during the new song. And if you wouldn't mind doing that, do you mind doing that? Thanks for getting up early. And I, and I thought, oh, that's a nice little touch. And, you know, by the end, he was shirtless and he was running down to the mixing desk halfway through the stage and he was climbing up onto the thing. And he, you know, like his songs weren't, I wouldn't say his songs were particularly instantly memorable, but they're certainly different. And um, yeah, he was genuinely pretty impressive, I thought. I thought he was he was actually, you know, a... a, a a pretty impressive, a pretty impressive dude. <laughs> Is that right to say that? I'm thinking that sounded a bit stupid. But um, yeah, uh, I went over to the Festival Republic stage to watch May Stevens. Uh, May Stevens had one big, don't ask me how I know this, but May Stevens had one big sort of song which went um, pretty wild on TikTok, uh, which is a sort of breakup song. And she was very... Um, it was, again, it kind of alt-pop, but kind of classic-sounding alt-pop. So she had a, a backing band, which looked more like a sort of Mark Ronson-y backing band. And she was doing that Lily Allen style. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't really want to call it, like, people were making music that sounded like Lily Allen a long time before Lily Allen. Obviously, there are plenty of, you know, pop stars over the years who were making that kind of, I don't know, thrifty, shoe shuffle, um, jaunty, scar sort of, 50s petticoat pop right but from now on like just because you all know what Lily Allen sounds like that thing the shorthand for that will be like Lily Allen music right so she was playing this kind of Lily Allen Kate Nash uh who else did that sort of thing back in the, the kind of 2000 you know there's a sort of revival of that thing seems like it's sort of coming back again um she's got she's got a song with megan trainer she's got a new song apparently with megan trainer so it's that sort of thing right it's that sort of thing uh i thought she was quite good i thought she was quite good she was like a very very likable front person um some of the songs i thought fell a bit flat they felt like it did it, it was the classic thing of like i'm big on the internet for this one song oh shit it's got really big. I better write some more songs because now they're asking me to play festivals. And some of the other songs were all right, but they just sort of passed me by a little bit. You know, did one about swiping left on Tinder or going on a bad Tinder date and stuff. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, this has been done quite. This feels a bit like what other hilarious datey, like, oh God, it's so crap to be a woman thing. Can I write a, write a song about, you know, and, and, it's pretty fucking, it's pretty fucking easy pickings to be like, oh god, bad internet dates, right? And then everybody can go like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, I love this song without it actually being, you know, a particularly great song. So I think you know she's new, and she showed a little bit of potential. And I kind of like, you know, I'm I'm quite a fan of that style, um, even though it feels like it's you know it was sort of slightly oversaturated in the 2000s when you think back to the amount of 
people who were just doing that kind of post Lily Allen, I guess, you know, um, preschool Amy Winehouse thing. Um, but then when it sort of kind of came back, I was like, oh, cool, this sounds a bit like this. Uh, but there's quite a lot of it now. There's quite a lot of it. And she's 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 decent. She's pretty good, I think. Uh, I went over to watch Becky Hill on Main Stage West. Now, Becky Hill won the Brit Award for Best Dance Artist this year, earlier this year. I can't say I know loads about Becky Hill other than she is a massive dance artist. And she's done a few quite bad covers she's ruined a few songs in her life you know um i say ruined she's done that one with um uh what's his fucking name um david getter that like i'm blue dabba dibba da dabba dabba da, like that i mean that's bad already so but don't bring it back and um a dance version of heaven uh by brian adams which again not the best brian adams song and hearing like, oh, nothing can take my breath away. And I was a bit like, now this is the sort of thing in the old days at Reading, like I said about Mimi Webb and Last Year Get Bottled. Becky Hill would have been not welcome at the old Reading, like really, really not welcome. Becky Hill got a bigger crowd than the 1975, than Foles than when I get to talk about Imagine Dragons and the Imagine Dragons. She probably got over the two main stages, I would say she probably got maybe the second or third biggest set and biggest crowd of the entire weekend. It was fucking massive. It was one of those like 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 watching Metallica at download where you're like, well I can't get I can't move. I'm here and I'm stuck here. There are people behind me, there are people in front of me, there are people either side of me. I can't fucking move. And I kind of walked down and I watched a few songs and she seems nice enough she seems nice enough um i nearly said i hated it then i nearly said i fucking hated it i didn't like it i don't like that uh particular thing that much i think when dance music and she was going oh you know i really wanted to be you know drenched in dance culture and i love drum and bass she did this song she's like oh, i love my drum and bass song and i was like yeah but this isn't really drum and bass is it it's not really sort of proper drum and bass it's just a, a very very i beat it up all bar one version of drum and bass and look com i think you're a bit of a fucking fool if you're moaning about the, the you know the commercialization of dance music in 2023 like the horse has long since bolted but it's not something that I... I mean, you know, all the kind of cheesy Eurodance stuff from the time, I think it was still from the from the 90s, I think it was still like at least slightly connected to an under, underground rave scene movement. It was a bit grubbier and a bit dirtier still. Even if it wasn't, it was daft as shit, right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you get some real fucking daft crap uh, and you'd be like, well, I kind of don't mind it because it's so ridiculously over the top. Becky Hill is just pure kind of wall was like proper like sort of wallpaper fairly low energy um ballady dance music you know that kind of is I was going to use the word euphoric it's not really much I think that is euphoric about it and it was mad to me that somebody who is you know it's not like Sam Fender and the Killers and the 1975 aren't mainstream but when you think about what Reading has always sort of sought to be as a festival I mean you know I'll try and sum this up at the end this is a conversation that we'll probably have every year about this festival between now and the fucking end of time but I thought it was very very like it was quite telling to see someone like Becky Hill get such a mahoosive crowd when I was like I just don't really know what you guys are seeing and particularly when I wandered over to the um, the Radio 1 dance tent and Metric was on. Metric has done a bunch of remixes for like Pendulum and um, other people. And Metric had a fucking half full tent. And I just went in there to be like, Becky Hill's not like really representative of 
what dance music sort of an EDM sort of really sounds like, right? And watching Metric, I was like, no, <laughs> not at all. Metric was fucking great. Like, really, really good. Really fucking pound. Like, every time I went in that dance tent, that was where the most energy was. I saw Noisy in there, I saw Metric in there. It was half full for Metric. You gotta be like, fucking hell, it's a shit thing for him to be like up against Becky Hill, who I guess would pull a lot of people from that tent over onto that main stage west area. Um, but he was great, you know, did a little bit of Prodigy, did a little bit of Pendulum, um, chucked into his his uh, his own songs, and um, which I like as a sort of man in his 40s. And um, yeah, and like the kind of absolutely pounding sound of proper drum and bass, I was like, yes, this is great. Like this genre is fucking great. And I would have stuck around because like there's quite a lot that was, you know, I think like um, Harriet Jackson is supposed to be really, really good. Andy C headlined who I didn't see as we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but yeah, just for that little kind of half hour taster of very, very cool drum and bass. I, I was banging to that. It was really good. Um, I wandered over then to the Radio 1 Extra stage, stage, the stage, and I saw Drea Mack. So Drea Mack is um a a rapper from i'm going to say london i'm going to say i'm going to say london because that's that's my guess um you know on the basis of her uh her it doesn't actually say where she's from she won uh 2002 mobo for own brand freestyle um was the song and she's got a song with dave so i was like i'm gonna go over and watch her again very very small crowd and it was quite weird again to be like you know oh well you know Reading it, it likes it only likes hip hop and it only likes dance music now and it likes pop and it's there's no place for the old rock bands actually if you play the kind of hip hop that Dre Mac plays which is really like again her flow and her delivery is very modern to my ears you know very kind of modern sounding um, you know I wouldn't go as far to call her like a grime MC, but then, you know, like I've said before, I wouldn't necessarily call Dave a grime MC, and yet he's sort of very much part of, of that thing. Um, but yeah, she was uh, she was really good. It was much more sort of like, yeah, um, I guess a kind of big beat Cali, mid-90s sound with modern rap on it. And she had two dancers, and she's a, a, a kind of a slightly larger lady. And um was fucking body popping and doing all, and I was like, she can really fucking dance. Her two dancers were great, and then she handed the mic to one of them at one point, and she started doing this fucking robot-y body popping thing, and I was like, this is great. And it felt like, again, I think you know, I spoke about the sort of, I get the the post sort of two thousand seventeen uh, boom of the the emo rap SoundCloud rap thing, which I'm always a bit like, uh, I'm not really so sure about um, the artists who kind of take from both but also hark back to you know the golden age of hip-hop not my words lynn um but like the golden age of hip-hop i always think are the artists i am most interested in and she was really good and yet very very small crowd very very small crowd um but you know i think she she wasn't she, she might have been clashing with the last little bit of becky hill not sure um but she was clashing with tom adele over on the festival republic stage now tom adele i was like oh how weird that tom adele is playing on this stage when he is pretty fucking big right he's fucking pretty big and uh yeah he is pretty big because i kind of went to wander over and it was one of those you can't get anywhere near the tent like people were watching from the screens outside it was like 15 deep outside the tent couldn't get anywhere near tom odell so i watched like 10 seconds uh and then i wandered off because well it's a point you can't see anything um he was sort of just finishing and as i sort of wandered through i was like i might go and get a drink and then i saw that it was only five minutes until steve lacy came on and steve lacy's crowd was swelling by the second as i was walking through it. and i was like this guy's getting a really big crowd a really big crowd. And I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'm going to walk through. I'm going to get a good little spot. So I got a little spot. And I was like, I'll just wait around here and I'll see a little bit of this guy because I've got to be perfectly honest with you. I don't know who Steve Lacey is. It's one of those ones where you go, you look at the lineup and you go, I I see this person 
at the second, you know, just one place above, below, above, uh, one place below Billie Eilish on the main stage. And yet I am not familiar with him at all. I don't know anything about him. But then as I stood there for the next five minutes, people were like holding signs. I love Steve Lacey. People had it written on their chests and stuff like that. And his crowd was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, my fear was that I was going to do kind of what I did with, sort of with Polo G last year. I was like, I don't really know this guy. He's, sub, he's subbing Dave. He came out. I was like, it's, it's quite an exhausting modern rap thing. And the kids seem to like one in every three songs that he plays they go mad for and then they're not really bothered by anything else i was like okay is he gonna be that right um and he came out steve lacy and he's not like that at all absolutely not like that at all apparently he was the guitarist in the band the internet now i have heard of the internet uh the band i always thought it was a very very silly name so i sort of I sort of ignored them because I was like, you know, I, I'm, I, I knew they had something to do with Odd Future. Um, so that's sort of exciting, I guess. But I was just a bit like, the internet? the inter You're calling your band the internet? No, 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 no. No, I don't want that right. So anyway, he is the guitarist um, in that band. And, um, you know, I was like, oh, oh okay, fine. Um he came out and I mean first firstly he's an incredibly good looking young man incredibly he's 25 years old looking at him he's incredibly good looking young man uh he's wearing goggles as well he wears these glasses uh, I'm not quite sure why he wears the glasses but it looks like that's sort of a a thing that he wears and they're not like normal glasses they're like do you remember when uh, this is for the football fans do you remember when Edgar Davids wore those he started wearing those glasses didn't he and uh, and Bono as well if you like um, but Edgar Davids wore those sort of and be like look at those glasses and they weren't like just you know like spectacles they were those sort of wrap around things that covered up like a lot of his face and you know he looks he could be a superhero who's sort of in the middle of or just beginning to get changed into his stuff anyway he looks really cool and he came out and he started playing this very soulful R&B thing, which was, I was like, this is quite lush. He's got a full band with him. Fuck me, he's got a horn section. He's got backing singers. He's got, like, you know, a keyboardist and DJ and a bassist and another guitarist and a drum. I was like, oh, there's a lot of people on. So I was like, oh, he's obviously not, you know, kind of what I thought he was going to be. And then he put a guitar on, and I was like, he looks a bit like Prince now. And he started playing a guitar. And the song he played, I don't know what it was, the second one. But, he started, but you know, it was again, it was quite a soulful, soulful kind of old R&B thing. And I was like, this is really cool. He's got a really good voice. Fucking hell. And then I was like, God, he's a good guitarist. He's a solo in the middle. He's, God, he's a really good guitarist. And then at the end of the song, he did like a full fucking breakdown, like that got slower and slower. And I was like, this is like something that fucking Conjurer would do. Like, dun, dun, dun. and it got slower and slower with each bit. And I was like, this is really good. And I went along going, look, I'm going to watch a little bit of him, take a video of him for louder, put it up. And I was in like immense physical discomfort at this point because I've just been walking around all day and three days into a festival, your fucking back is going mad. And I was like, oh, this is hard. This is like... But I was watching him and I was, I was like, oh, I, I'm going to go in a minute. And I kept staying because I was like, he's fucking great. He reminds me of, like, again, this is a this is one that Gaz would would appreciate this if he were here. Ter he reminded me of Terence Trent Darby. I was like, he fucking, he's a proper, like, classic soul singer. That that thing of, like, again, it just surprised me. He got, got an absolutely fucking massive crowd. And he's playing this very kind of classic sounding, very sort of standard, old school liquid r&b thing and he's pulled in this massive crowd and you couldn't turn around and be like oh you know kids don't like it when people play guitars they don't like for they just like people pressing play on a monitor and or the laptop and then they all like jump up and down to it no there's loads of craft he's a fucking great guitarist he's a really good singer great stage presence his songs are really interesting he was 
the fucking find at a festival for me, Steve Lacey. I know it's like ridiculous to be like, I went to a festival and my favourite find was a guy who was sub-headlining Billie Eilish. But I had never, I knew nothing about Steve Lacey. I'm going to just completely fess up, knew nothing about it. I did have to leave about halfway through because I was like, I have to fucking sit down. But I went to the press area and just watched it from the screens and you could kind of hear it as well. So, And he was genuinely really, really fucking great. And I was like, well, that's great news that this guy's getting big. You know, that's like, that is really, really, like to me, that felt really, really encouraging. When you look at like the subs on that day, Lord Carner is obviously fucking great. He didn't pull as big a crowd as Steve Lacey. Central C, someone actually saw on the internet, someone saying Central C turned up 15 minutes late and didn't play for very long. Um, That might be true. What I will say is though, uh, this person didn't acknowledge this, is that Central C's DJ was out there for a good 20 minutes before Central C actually came out. And I know that's not really what people have come to see, but um, he was getting the crowd massively hyped up by playing a load of bangers beforehand. And, and, because I was like, is he even on yet? And people were going mental. So I don't know if that counts as part of the set. Who fucking knows? But like, yeah. But Central C got an absolutely massive crowd, probably still bigger than the one Steve Lacey got. But Steve Lacey definitely got the the second biggest sub headliner crowd slot thing it was fucking massive and well deserved because he was really really fucking good and the, you know people were screaming and going fucking absolutely mad for him um so he played and then i went to see imagine dragons because i just was curious to see imagine dragons now yesterday if you listen to the podcast i put up yesterday on the saturday and i talked about why matty healy it's good that Matty Healy's like Matty Healy is, right? And I compared him to the Killers. Well, I'm going to double down on that even more so with Imagine Dragons. Because Imagine Dragons came out. And this is what you wouldn't get with Matty Healy in the 1975. You wouldn't get a fucking three, four minute long intro tape where it was like, Wake up. Open your eyes. The world sits in front of you. Together as one. We will communicate purely through our own senses through our own shared experiences through our own moments in time coalescing together as one to create a symbiotic relationship in pure sound and love and emotion and then imagine dragons come on right so it was all like eyes and waves and like birds flying out of trees as they fucking came on and then they came out and were like love is a thing that we all need to have and it was just like look imagine dragons are an easy band to shit on because loads of people shit on them they're one of those bands aren't they they're like nickelback they're like creed they're like uh maroon five they're like one of those bands aren't they they're one of those bands that everyone goes <laughs> at right and i don't know any imagine dragon songs apart from the ones i heard yesterday which i now know and uh radioactive the other week i nearly picked radioactive as a song for the fucking week on the podcast because it's really fucking catchy like fair play to it it's really fucking catchy is it a great song I think it must be a pretty good song because it got stuck in my head even though I hadn't even listened to it. I was just suddenly going, oh, 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 radioactive. So look, i got no real beef with Imagine Dragons as a band. I don't know enough about them and I don't listen to them and I don't really care. I know like people used to go, man, oh, best rock band, not a rock band. Like, they're not a rock band in the traditional sense of the word. Like, no, they don't sound like Megadeth. No, no, they don't, right? Um, so I went in really with with a fairly open mind towards Imagine Dragons and I just thought it was overblown, pompous, far too earnest nonsense. I don't really think their songs were crap but again the difference between the geezer from Imagine Dragons who came out and he was like what a beautiful sunset we're going to share together oh what an amazing time it's incredible and then took his shirt off and looked like you know he took his shirt off and he, he looked like Brock Lesnar underneath it he looked like he hadn't been within a fucking 20 mile radius of a carb since 2005 like he's in unbelievable shape he's got a fucking Hollywood smile um, he looked incredible and you contrast that with Matty Healy who is like a pale like poor postured shuffling weirdo with a crap haircut um 
huffing on a fag and drinking out of a bottle of wine and going, oh, God, uh, uh, do you play the song then, you weirdos? Like, oh, we're fucking shit today, aren't we? In between songs. And it means that the night, there's a, there's a sort of, there's a, a, a beautifully kind of shambolic, not even shambolic because they were they played they played great and their songs are great and they're good musicians and everything was good but there's just something for me as a british person far more relatable about someone who's just a bit of a fucking you know a bit of a mess a bit of a fucking mess as opposed to this bloke who comes out from imagine dragons you know looking like a wwe wrestler with a perfect voice with perfect chiseled cheekbones and nothing to say like literally fucking nothing to say they played a song and I was like yeah like that does sound like Maroon 5 if they you know had, had grown up on Nickelback like that's basically what that sounds like it wasn't a shit song it was fairly catchy when I was listening to it I don't even remember what it was now and then they did two songs and then the bassist did a bass solo he did a bass solo he did a full-blown bass solo three songs into their headline set at the reading festival in 2023 and it went on for fucking ages and it wasn't even a good bass solo you know what I mean? he wasn't flea he wasn't fucking the, the 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 ghost of cliff burton he's the bassist in imagine dragons and i just thought to myself like the bassist in the 1975 is the the most handsome man in the world maybe after Steve Lacey and he's not allowed to do a bass solo you're not getting away with doing a bass solo and I just yeah like it was overly earnest it it was just I'm sure they're really nice people I'm sure they are and I'm sure their heart is in the right place and I'm sure they write songs from a really nice place but it's just it's so fucking Hollywood and if that is what you're telling if I have to put up with a bloke going oh no wanked over a chinese girl if that if i have to put up with that so that not every band are like imagine dragons fucking do it do it do all the coke do all the racist jokes do all the getting off with your guitarist on stage in places where you're not meant to do that do all of that because ultimately none of those things are actually hurting anyone none of those things are actually kind of going to genuinely affect anyone's actual day-to-day -day life and it makes the 1975 a much better band than a band like imagine dragons who are perfectly functional but incredibly dull and clearly have a really really like inflated sense of their own self-worth and what they do because i don't think the 1975 i don't think matt healy thinks they're really really important or spectacular or this i think they just try and write really really good pop songs whereas i think imagine dragons seem to think they were like gandhi set to music right and i just it was it became so boring and so overwrought and exhausting that I had to full-on leave the festival I was like Billie Eilish is on in an hour and I got a paint I, I mean this is how like I, I you, wear ear defenders right this is my takeaway wear ear defenders because I didn't and halfway through the day like I get quite bad tinnitus I, I got to a point where I was like I can't even fucking move my head because my left ear is fucked, completely fucked. So I actually miss Billie Eilish, which I was really, really annoyed about. I think if it had been anyone other than fucking Imagine Dragons that I had to sort of entertain myself uh, in between that, um, I may well have stayed around, but I was just like, I'm fucking knackered. I'm tired. The crowd for Billie Eilish was bigger than the crowd that Rina Sawayama had an hour before Billie Eilish was even due on stage and she was going to get a massive crowd. She was going to get a massive crowd. And I'm kind of gutted that I didn't get to see Billie Eilish. The thing is, is I don't listen to Billie Eilish and I'm not a, a massive, massive fan. So I wish I could have told you, you know, I, I wouldn't have stayed for the whole thing. I just wouldn't have stayed for the whole thing. Um, and my bed was calling me and I got back in time to watch Match of the Day too, uh, or at least the last little bit of it so that was good um so yeah that was reading now before i go i suppose it is worth kind of um 
addressing the thing. The thing is, I feel like I talk about this a lot, but I'm going to say it, and I'll probably, I'll probably talk about it again next year because this is the only thing that you ever talk about that. And it, it's always, where are the new headliners at Download? And oh, why isn't it a rock festival anymore at Reading? Or how much has the festival changed at Reading? Well, look, you know, the two things you hear most from Reading Festival is, oh, it's changed. It's not a rock festival anymore, and it's different, so different to what it used to be. And the response to that is, well, they just book what's popular and they book what's popular for the young people to like. And it's always been a festival that just caters to to young people. And I think both of those things are true, but both of them also slightly miss the point of, um, of what I think is at the core of the change at Reading. So, yes... Reading is absolutely not a rock festival anymore. It's really, really not. It's really not. And yes, it has changed. And it hasn't just changed in that, oh, we now book the things that is popular with the youth market because Backstreet Boys were popular with young people. Westlife were popular with young people. Take That were popular with young people. Fucking Busted were popular with young people. None of those acts played Reading back in the 90s, back in the 2000s. They didn't. They didn't do that. Reading did go, we are a rock and metal festival during the New Album years. Uh, We then became a kind of post-punk, pre-Britpop indie festival for a bit. When grunge happened, we became a kind of alt-rock festival with some baggy stuff and some, you know, kind of early Britpop stuff. We then became basically a Britpop festival. We then became a kind of new metal festival. Um, And over the years, there are things that would have been relevant to Reading's needs that now aren't. I mean, if you go back to the history of Reading and you think 50 Cent in 2004 got the fucking camping chair chucked at him and he was not welcome at Reading that year but then if you look at the reading poster from 1994 ice cube sub headlines primal scream cypress hill headline the friday right arguably 50 cent would fit in much better at reading 94 than he did at reading 2004 which is weird it's a weird thing to think so i think it's odd that there's no sort of there's no rhyme or reason as to why these things happen the dance tent was completely maligned when that came along in two th- in in 1997. Should you know? Should um, should Orbital or the Orb or Leftfield or you know uh, Tricky or whoever should they have been playing Red in in 1992? Like I don't know. They probably would have been fine. I would have thought. But did people kick off because there was a dance tent in 1997? Yeah, I remember that. I remember the Vans Warped Tour turning into the fucking dance tent and people. I'm going to grump about it. Um, so there's no sort of rhyme or reason to it at all. So yeah, Reading has changed. And is it just for what young people want? Is it just for the things that young people book? I don't know. I don't really know because I don't really feel like I know what music young people like anymore. I walked around that festival yesterday and I saw a massive, massive, massive crowd for Becky Hill. Absolutely fucking gargantuan. And the people that I saw standing there, there was a guy in a Nine Inch Nails t-shirt it said fucking Nine Inch Nails um, 1990 on it, right? And I was like, that is at least 15 years before you were born. But you're wearing a Nine Inch Nails t-shirt whilst watching Becky Hill. I saw a guy in a Nirvana t-shirt. I saw a guy in a fucking Clash t-shirt. I saw a guy wearing a fucking Soundgarden t-shirt coming out of Becky. Like, you, I do not know what music young people like. I would have thought that the hip-hop artists that I saw would have got a really good crowd and yet they didn't. And then I saw other hip-hop artists getting really big crowds. And then you see some dance artists in the dance tent. You go, well, I thought you all like dance music, but there's no big dance crowd for you here. What's going on? And then you see pure pop artists that aren't getting big crowds. You see someone like Rina Sawayama, who you think, well, you've done like the Metallica Blacklist. You've done a song with Charlie XCX. You've fucking been nominated for a Brit. You've had all these things happy to happen to you. You've been nominated for the Mercury Prize. Does that shit matter to a young audience? Clearly not, because she didn't get a very big crowd at all. Steve Lacey, who's playing this kind of Terence Trent Darby-esque 1980s inspired, you know, soul music like Prince at his, you know, his most melodic. 
were young people like that? You wouldn't have thought so, but they fucking did. They went fucking mad for it. So what is there to ascertain? What is there to take as a sort of blanket thing? What can you go? Oh, that's what the Reading audience likes. I don't think you can. Do you know what the Reading audience likes? They like going to a festival. When you think about the music that you like, particularly from when you were a kid, like listen to the way that me and Gaz talk about some of the shit music. I will say it's fucking, you know, it's not artistically brilliant. Hue and Cry and Rosalia, um, not the new Rosalia, the, you know, fucking, or like Mr. Vane by Culture Beat. Is, is Mr. Vane by Culture Beat a great song? No. But if it was fucking being played at the end of my road by actual Culture Beat, of course I'm going to be down there. And of course I'm going to text all my mates and go, come down, let's have a few beers and dance to fucking Mr. Vane. Of course you're going to do that. If an urban cookie collector turn up and they're playing The Key, The Secret, of course I'm going to do it. Do I think that that is a great song? Do I think, oh God, I can't believe that didn't win a, you know, a fucking Ivan Novello award. No, I don't think that. I like it because it reminded me of a time where me and my mates would go to the school disco and we'd drink three bottles of Foster's Ice whilst watching TFI Friday before the disco and then we'd go and then we'd j- jump up and down when they play Smells Like Teen Spirit and stand on the side to those songs whilst also kind of sarcastically miming along to them because we thought we were too cool for that type of music but actually years later we fucking love it and that's what people like you like the music you like because it reminds you of amazing special times and so when we were young festivals weren't cool the music that you liked and listened to was cool grunge was cool and you were cool for liking it and you wanted to go and see it so you went to Reading Festival because you wanted to see Soundgarden because you wanted to see Foo Fighters because you wanted to see Red Hot Chili Peppers because you wanted to see My Chemical Romance or Trivial I don't think Trivial played it Bullet for My Valentine or Mastodon or whoever right whoever the band that you went to see at that point was you were like oh my god I have to get there in time so that I see X band, right? That's what you wanted to do. I need to see Corn. I need to see Limp Biscuit. I need to see Linkin Park. I need to see System of a Down or fucking Green Day or Blur or whoever was playing. That was why you went. Just the act of going to a festival at that point in those days wasn't cool. It didn't really, there wasn't this sort of thing about, yeah, going to a festival is brilliant. Now there is. Now you go to a festival and the food options are amazing and the 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 running of the festival usually is much much better you get better food you get better drink you get better access they give a shit about like whether you're getting water or not the sound is much better they just chuck some fucking shit pa together and hope that you know fucking collapse lungs sound fine on it like that's not what happens a lot of work gets put into actually making these festivals feel like something more that you know i'm there used to be the Dodgems at Reading back in the 90s. I never saw anyone on the Dodgems. I never saw another human being going, you know what, I, I don't think I will go and watch um, The Verve. I think I'll, I'll go on the Dodgems instead. No, no one did that. Which now, the queues go around fucking, for fucking ever. You never used to just have a bar that you'd sit in and there'd be a DJ playing and you'd just jump around on the like, fucking beanbag to, to somebody playing the hits of the day. But now you do, because... Going to festivals isn't necessarily about what music you like. It's about the fact that you like going to festivals with your mates. And that's kind of what Reading is. More than any festival, I think. You know, it doesn't actually matter at all. The music, the musical identity of Reading, I think is gone. I don't even think it's what young people like. I don't think it matters at all what anybody likes. I think they literally will just go, this shit's big with someone. Young people don't like the killers. Do they? Do young people like the killers? I don't think they do. A lot of people will turn up to watch killers, the killers on that day. Young people might like Billie Eilish. Yeah. Do they really like Sam Fender? Don't know. Some of them do. He did. He pulled a pretty big crowd. But do they love Sam Fender? I'm not sure that they really like young people on mass love Sam Fender. I'm not sure young people on mass love. I don't know. Uh, fucking foals. Like I, I don't don't think they do. I think they just go well. That band of touring, they're big, fuck it, stick them on, right? I think the, you know, Becky Hill or Foles or Central Sea or whoever, they're just available and big and that's enough. That will do it. It will be, you'll see it from years to come, I think, as Reading gets, you know, 10 years into this because we're getting to the point now, you know, people like Frank Turner and Don Broco were coming on stage and going, I 
went to my first Reading Festival when I was a kid and it was amazing and it's my favourite festival and it's magical here and it's brilliant. You think about the way Dave Grohl talks about Reading. We're now about 10 years into that not really being the case anymore where people are going and being like, oh my God, the lineup was incredible and blah, 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 blah. You don't really get that. You don't really get people going, oh my God, this fucking Reading lineup is mad good. You just get people going, oh, I'm going to go to Reading. Uh, I'm going to go to Reading Leeds and all Leeds and that will be that will be that you know i'll just go and call there's four things on there that i like that i'm gonna watch and everything else is just a jolly and so this whole thing of oh reading's not a rock festival nope reading just book what the kids like i don't think that's true either i think they're just gonna book literally fucking anything literally fucking any single thing that has numbers i don't think it's even about what is popular with young people it's just what's popular full stop um but it'll be interesting i mean they're never going to book fucking iron maiden again i can tell you that much but anything else it just sort of feels like anything goes really uh i think rock bands are fucked when it comes to it because new rock bands are basically kind of fucked um but you will probably you know i wouldn't be surprised to see somebody like black pink Headline in Reading in the next few years. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Or BTS. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And you know what? It's like Gaz said on the podcast last week. Adapt or die. And um, I don't really have any beef with it. I had a nice time. I had a nice time this weekend. It was good. I saw a bunch of stuff that I would never, ever usually watch. And, you know, I've seen Clutch at Download about fucking five times it's always been good and i do like that band more than i like pretty much anything that i saw this weekend but i want to experience as much new stuff as possible and this is definitely the place to do it to see things that you weren't really aware of and yeah i reckon either embrace it and accept it or just don't even think about it because you know there's really no point getting annoyed at Reading Festival anymore. Anyway, that was a little uh, Jerry Springer in conclusion bit. Hope you enjoyed that. I am going to go now. I'm going to put this up like straight after. So, well, you'll you'll listen to it, so you will know that. But I'm going to put this up. We've got two podcasts in a day. Can't believe it. Uh, plenty of listening for you. Um, oh, by the way, if you want to go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash right podcast, you probably knew that already. Uh, sign up for that and we'll be back on friday with more stuff hope you are having a lovely bank holiday day if you're listening to some bank holiday or had a lovely bank holiday i'll see you soon bye bye